This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy. Welcome to our Spring 2021 UCF Women's Soccer Preview Special. I'm Jeff Sharon, along with Eric Lopez. And uh, Eric, it's you, you know we're so used to doing this in the fall. You know, usually it's August, it's hot out, we're getting ready for, you know, but and women's soccer and men's soccer and volleyball signal to us like, hey, we're heading towards September because usually they start in like mid-August, which is always so weird, but um, not this year. We're starting, thanks to COVID, we're starting in the spring and it's weird, man. It's it's just so weird to be uh, to be talking about soccer now, but I think it's also refreshing in a way, isn't it? It's just weird. It's getting used to. It's confusing. And as we'll get into with Coach Zahedek, just a chaotic offseason with so many moving parts, including roster moves. Because, again, uh, you've talked about usually this time of year, players are, you know, you have the NWSL draft. You got opportunities to play overseas. Mm -hmm. And as we'll get into with Coach Zahedek, you had some of that as a result affecting this roster, especially on the back line, middle and the back line, as we'll talk about with her. Right. So. Let's talk about uh, UCF women's soccer. Uh, the last time we saw them out on the field was all the way back in 2019, Eric. Can you believe that? Um, they finished 11-4-4 uh, four four overall, 5-2-2 two two in the conference. Lost in the American uh, Championship match again to USF, who's kind of become their bugaboo a little bit of late. Even though they beat them in t- on Halloween night to end the regular season, USF got them back at uh, in uh, Memphis at the uh, Women's Soccer Championships. But... Uh, this was a UCF team that, uh, you know, again, tough start to the slate, you know, where they lost one nothing to a very good Wisconsin team. They tied Ohio State, tied George Mason, beat Florida, beat Arizona State to start out. And, and like, you saw them kind of catch their catch their stride where they won uh, eight of nine at one point um, before they kind of hit that little bit of a stumbling block. They had back-to-back scoreless ties against Temple and UConn. And then uh, one nothing went to East Carolina. It, seemed, it felt like the it felt like the goal scoring kind of went away for a little bit because over that stretch of the last five regular season games, they scored only two goals. And then of course they bust out for five against Houston in the women's soccer champion in the, in the women's soccer tournament uh, for the uh, NCAA, but uh, for the or for the American. But they didn't get to the NCAA's despite the fact that they had that eleven four and four record. Their finishing RPI was ninety three. They were one of the better defensive teams in the country. 21st in team save percentage, 15th in goals against average. They average, average giving up only 0.551 GAA, which is you know really spectacular um, when you think about it. And they were in the top 50 in the country in uh, corners kicks, corner kicks forced per game. So that tells you how aggressive they were. Although this is an interesting stat, Eric. They were actually one of the nation's leaders also in offside calls, which you're top, you're near the top in corner kicks. Your tops in offside. That tells me that you're. You're probably pretty youthful <laughs> in, in your aggression. And that made sense because in 2019, they were a pretty young team. They had lost uh, Dina Orschman uh, and Stephanie Sanders, to, who went uh, both went on to play professionally in their native Germany. And so there were a lot of young players who got some run out there, but they were able to uh, but they were able to pull it together and put together a pretty nice run toward the end of the season. You know, but now, a year and a half later, basically, what does this roster look like in terms of the talent that they're returning 
Well, it's still young because, as we mentioned, the, some of the departures on the roster. So it's going to be interesting to see it's defensively. Remember, Kanye Plummer, who was the American Conference you know, defensive player in the years, playing now in the NWSL. You have other players that went on to play professionally. Olivia Smith, for example, who was playing a defense, playing professionally overseas. So, uh, you know, there's some questions. And I think Coach Agnew even acknowledges that when you hear the interview. So, you know, it's going to put pressure on Caroline Delisle, who had a tremendous freshman year as the goalkeeper, uh, continuing this great tradition of great UCF goalkeepers at UCF. Uh, there'll be some pressure on her. And then offensively, as like you said, you know, you got Kristen Scott back, but who are the other ones that could step up and be some offensive players? Is it somebody like Diana Martin, who had a big game in that Houston win that you mentioned, or is it a new face that we don't know about yet? Yeah. So those are some of the questions, but they got to get some answers quickly because they're starting in conference play. So it's going to be wild. Well, we're going to get some answers from the head coach of the UCF Knights, former 99er from, uh, or, well, she's, well, she'll always be a 99er from the U.S. Women's National Team and, and head coach at UCF since 2013. Here's Tiffany Roberts-Sahadak with us here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. And joining us now, one of our favorite interviews of all time every Okay, usually when we talk to her, it's sweltering in the summer. We're getting ready for soccer, but here it is. It's freezing in central florida right now and we're getting ready for a spring soccer season and uh, head coach for ucf women's soccer tiffany roberts hadak is with us here on black and gold banneret what's up coach tiff how are you what is up guys i love being on here thank you for having me well we're really lucky to have you on it's so it's so weird we were just talking before we came on about how bizarre everything has been for all you coaches i mean it's it's i i we don't envy what you guys have had to do just give it if you can before we start you know it's been what 16 or 14 months since you guys actually last played like a real game you had some games in the spring i think you had a, you had a scrimmage like you said against fsu and you played uh, a pro team from finland too but i mean it's it's still different so like how have the last 14 months like what's what have been the biggest challenges is just in terms of like the day-to-day just uh, under this under the pandemic that we've all been living under right now if i tell you all of them it would just this we, we would only talk about this on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> so i'll give you a few i think you know if i had to sum it up i think obviously like the protocols to even be able to continue to train so when it first hit um obviously we all left for spring break and then we didn't come back, but then just getting everyone back in the summer and being able to train all the protocols that we've been adhering to this past summer and fall, it really doesn't allow a lot of social time, camaraderie, just that connection that I feel is so important. I mean, that's, I feel like I talk about that all the time in the culture and how much that affects our success on the field and, And that's just been one of the biggest challenges is that, you know, we literally are living out of our cars, you know, our boots and um, jackets are in our cars. We roll up to the training field, get out, train, get back in our cars and leave. And so there's just not that extra added piece of having team meals together and um, the girls just getting together, you know, outside of the training field. So that you know, puts a damper on things. It's just not as fun. I'm going to be honest. I love soccer and we love to train, but at the end of the day, you still need that human connection. And we were really lacking that, you know, over the fall. 
um, due to all the protocols, but at least, you know, we were able to train. So we tried to stay positive, not COVID positive. Let's be clear. Um, tried to, you know, put a good spin on everything and be appreciative for everything that we did have. Um, but at the end, you know, it was hard. Um, so the protocols, just COVID, um, the camaraderie, the human connection, you know, not only a pandemic did we go through, but the social injustices that, you know, came into light and people were having more clear understanding of, you know, the racial and the inequalities that we were, you know, dealing with. Um, that was very emotional for our team. And, um, you know, so not only we we're going through a pandemic, we were going through all these social injustices or not for the first time, obviously, but coming to light for a lot of people. So, um, you know, I still see that as a positive too, just because it was needed to have those, you know, conversations. So I will say that although it was, has been so challenging, um, we've all come out better for that. And I've always felt that, you know, all these challenges, there's, there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel, which just probably lasted a little longer than we wanted to. I would say the last big challenge to sum it up would just be like roster um, because we had seniors, a ham, you know, a few seniors that were um, slated to graduate in December. And once we found out in September that our season was going to be canceled or postponed, those particular seniors decided to, you know, have new goals. So playing pro, you know, so we lost some senior veterans. And so we lost some depth in certain positions. Um, and then I would say um, also we didn't get some certain players to even come in because of the pandemic. So, you know, embassies were closed down. So um, the roster challenges, that was very stressful too. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we manage and, and we sort it out. And, you know, we lost a few players um, opting out just because of the conditions or, um, you know, being international and not wanting to come to the U.S. So just the roster to sum it up, I would say that would be the, the other challenge that we faced. It's got to be remarkable with you and Scott. I mean, with the sport as a whole, you mentioned going from fall to spring. I don't know if casual fans understand what a huge difference that is. And you mentioned it, it affects your roster. Usually this time of year, you're losing players to play either in the NWSL, which the draft just happened. The draft just happened. And players are getting ready to start overseas and play international. And here you are trying to deal with all that right before the season starts. It, it's How do you feel as a sport has, has this gone through? Because I know you're not the only one. This is the entire sports going through this. But how has this been handled I think you feel by the sport overall I mean it's it's got to be one of the wackiest things ever it really uh, wacky is a really good word for it and I will say that we are in a situation where we didn't have like nine seniors you know we only had a, a handful even though you know we've had some they were impactful players for us but I'm glad that we're in a situation where it wasn't our entire team that we were losing so we are considerably young and so it didn't impact us as much as I've seen some other teams even in our conference because obviously we're, we're we're close and our head coaches talk within conference and you can see how it's really impacted some other programs and so thankfully it didn't impact us the same way maybe as some other programs since we weren't senior heavy um this past you know year um but it still affects your roster and your roster size and um your depth in certain positions 
so I wanted to, we wanted to touch upon that too, because it's, you know, we thought in 2019 coming in after you lost Steph Sanders and Dina Orshman, we were like, Oh man, this is going to be, there's going to be a lot of young players getting some PT. They're going to have to step up and lo and behold, they did. Um, you know, Kristen Scott is back from what I understand. Uh, Ellie Moreno, they're both first team, all, uh, AAC. Um, yeah, you lost Zandy and Kanye, you know, from, from 2019 have moved on, but, you know, you still have that good young core coming back. And, you know, like you said, so what are you, who are you looking at to really make a leap this year in this? And we'll talk about this in a little bit in this really abbreviated season that you have in the spring. Yeah, for sure. Abbreviated. Uh, but again, thankful that there's something to play for. Um, yeah. Kristen is a veteran. She's really been stepping up and um, she's, she's in another level right now, just, I think with the experience and now feeling that she's in a role where, you know, the young players are looking up to her so that I think that gives her a boost in confidence and it's showing out on the field and training. So, you know, Kristen, definitely. Um, I want to bring up Madison Mernon. I know she's been this quiet player that, you know, she doesn't get recognized a lot, but in a way that's how Bridget Callahan was, you know, Bridget, she didn't win any awards in the American. She, no, you know, she wasn't, throwing up all these stats, you know, and Madison Mernon is the same way. You kind of have these unsung heroes on your team where they might not be heavy in stats, but they're your heart and soul. And I would like to say Madison Mernon is our lone senior and um, she is a veteran and uh, you know, she plays in the midfield. Well, she actually had to play in the back for us in 2019, but be due to, you know, the exodus that we had with, players leaving to be pros. She now, we had to put her back into the midfield, which was her original position. And she's a hard, she's a hard soul. She's you'll, you'll see her running around like crazy, you know, and, um, but she's inspiring player. So I know, you know, she might not get a lot of accolades, but she's a big time player for us and super consistent. You can rely on her. So I'd like to give her a shout out. Um, and then, you know, Carol, um, Caroline Delau, our goalkeeper, you know, she's only a, she was only a freshman last year and she, she did not win, you know, the goalkeeper, you know, of our conference. Um, but she, she could have, I mean, her stats were unbelievable for, for not having a lot of experience. She looked like a veteran. She's doing great right now. Um, so we're really going to have to ask a lot of her, um, because we have a brand new back line again. I feel like this happens a lot, but with Kanye leaving, and we don't have Olivia Smith left to play professionally. Um, so, and then Madison, we had to move to the midfield. So we literally have a brand new back line. So thankfully we have Carol as well. So we have some challenges, you know, with experience. Um, we have Carol there. Um, and then you mentioned Ellie already. Um, and, you know, we'll see how other players step up. You mentioned Caroline. I mean, the goalkeeping tradition at UCF is so rich. Uh, I did a summer series of all greatest athletes, female athletes, and the goalkeeping at UCF even blew me away kind of doing the research. So it's probably one of the more pressure-cooking positions in UCF athletics. And she handled it incredibly. I would did not know she would have been a freshman if you would have not told me she was a freshman. Could have won goalkeeper of the year. Uh Certainly, she's going to be in the mix this year. Does she have to be more of the vocal leader because you're so young, young, young in the back line that she has to be more of the vocal leader? Is that something that's the next step for her? 
definitely for this year, you know, last year being a freshman, you know, Kanye was a veteran. And so, you know, Kanye spoke up and led a lot vocally, but this year we told, you know, we told her you really, that's, that is the area where you need to step up. And, you know, she has so much respect from everybody around her. She is the most, she's a captain, actually. She's been named as a captain for this starting this fall already. Um, she's proved that because she is the most selfless player and teammate, you know, but, and then she works her butt off. She's like the perfect player as a coach for a coach, you know, she just checks all the boxes. And um, so, yeah, she'll have to step up to that role and she's working on it. And uh, I think she'll do a great job. So one of the things that we looked that I looked up when uh, going through the numbers from 29, I almost, I keep on saying almost last year, but it's not last year. It's like, (laughs) it's a year and a half ago. But um, you guys were first in the American in fewest goals allowed with 11, which is, which is an amazing statistic when you think about it. And obviously, Kanye had a lot to do with it and Caroline, of course. But you mentioned that the, the, the big changes that you have in the back line. So are, are you expecting the back line to still kind of be the center of gravity this year? Or are you looking to maybe see if we can score some more goals this year if, uh, if, if the back line is, is not quite where it needs to be? Yeah. I mean, ideally I'd still like the back, the back line to be the center of gravity and holding us down and having similar stats. That would be ideal. Um, but it's hard to say because we haven't played anybody yet. So I'm not sure where we're really at as a back four, you know, um, I think, you know, we're going to make some mistakes and I think that is okay. Um, that's going to be part of our growth. And, um, but we are, you know, we've been training like crazy that back four. So hopefully I do think that they're going to have confidence going forward. And, you know, like I said, with Carol, and now you have Madison Vernon playing in the midfield. So you have her in front of them and some, um, you know, veteran mentality in front. So I think they're going to be great. You know, I have a lot of confidence in them, but, you know, time will tell and, and we'll see where our holes are, but I will say that I'm, I'm expecting, you know, more goals from us. I think we have a lot of depth. I, I think we have, so if you think about, you know, if you have three front runners and an attacking mid or even two attacking mids, so there's five players right there. I think five players can be interchange. We have more than five starting players for those five positions. And I think that is going to help because we're going to have that depth. Although the depth isn't as important this year with only one game a year. I mean, one game a year, one game a week. Uh, but I love the fact that there's some competition up there and we're performing well up top. And I think, you know, my expectation is that we'll be scoring more goals. Go ahead, Eric. Do you feel it's going to be a balanced score? Because, you know, Kristen's going to get a lot of attention. And, and in the past, that's nothing new with this program. Other players tend to step up. I remember towards the end of like 2019. So you now Jeff's got me thinking about last year, 2019 <laughs> as well. It's really weird. But I remember Diana Martin kind of stepped up towards the end and really grew. Uh, you know, what is that something? Do you see more balanced scoring? Just talk about some of the scoring options you're going to have. You mentioned you've got some good competition going, but I feel like some girls grew up that season that will benefit this year. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, Diana, you mentioned Diana and she's kind of that a quiet, you know, we don't talk about her that much and the conference, you know, they don't recognize her for the preseason, but like you said, you're, you're spot on about how she stepped up towards the end and she's a force. She is a force. We have her going up against our back line and 
uh, her athleticism, her speed, um, her ability to finish when she gets into those, um, you know, those spots on the field, um, she's, she's been scoring goals at practice. So, um, she's, you know, right in the mix. Um, and you know, we have a couple freshmen that are doing really well right now, um, uh, from different parts of the world. You know, we have a Maggie from New Zealand and we have Katie Bradley from England. And, um, so, um, you know, Mallory Olson has been pretty quiet. She's a transfer from Miami. She hasn't made a huge impact for us yet, but you can just tell she has so much fire, you know? So I, I trust that she just scored a great goal in the inner squad. Um, we called it, we ended up being offside by like a foot, but it was a great goal. Uh, so we have options and I think, you know, we'll, we'll see. I don't even know who I want to have starting yet. And I think it will be a combination, like depending on who who's on the field, you'll have different, you'll have different strengths, right? So depending on which players you have on them, that's what it's not going to be the same look depending on who's on the field. Cause one, like one attacking player plays total or one attacking midfielder plays totally different from another attacking midfielder. So it's just finding that combination. You know, that uh, we joke with you every year when we talk with you about the murderer's row schedule that you like to put together and this year you had no control over it and they still gave you a murderer's row because we're only playing eight. We're only playing in conference, right? Eight conference games, but you're, you're, you were picked to finish second in the conference preseason. Memphis was picked to finish first. You're playing at their place. USF was picked to finish third. You're playing at their place. So they still get you with the schedule, isn't it? I, I mean, what can you possibly do to catch a break with this? <laughs> you know, I always put a positive spin on things. It's just going to make us better. So our goal is to get in the NCAA tournament and, you know, you got to get through. It's just like, you know, I think about World Cup, you know, you have that death, um, you know. Group of death. Group of death, (laughs) right? And and I mean, you got to get through these teams in order to be at the top at the end. So that's how I look at it. And uh, I'm not worried about the weather. Okay, guys, I I don't, I'm being away is fine but being away in february at temple you know <laughs> i hope my players aren't listening to this right now because <laughs> i'm a baby when it comes to cold so i hope my players are a little tougher mentally than i am when it comes to cold weather <laughs> man yeah that's right that's one of the differences in spring than the fall but you mentioned you, you used to you know that non-conference was something that you could build on and learn about your team you don't have that ability this is like we've joked about how in past years hey the soccer season is kind of like a sprint I don't even, this is like a 150 meter run here. I mean, how do you approach this? It's almost like every game. I mean, it is a must win basically right from the get-go, which is tough because you're still trying to learn your team, but yet you got to put results in. Yeah, we, 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 there's no time. I mean, we, you know, you have one game. Thankfully we have one exhibition, you know, against Miami and that's always a good game, you know, being two Florida schools and, um, and then it's right into it. You, you don't have time to make a mistake. That's what's hard. You know, you don't, you, you can't give away one game. And um, playing this time of year, like I said, the challenge is, you know, going to Temple and snowing today there. And um, you, you just don't have, you have no time. And, but everyone's in the same boat. So it's not just us. 
and we got to deal with it better than anybody else. I wonder with being in the spring, has that helped the newcomers because they've been around? Has that made, uh, you know, we're supposed to being in the fall, big difference, no difference from the newcomer standpoint, as far as how they've blended in and can contribute. That is a, a good, you know, call on that. Cause it, it is positive for the, the newcomers. They've had a whole semester, even though that semester was weird. Uh, we still trained and they've had a semester you know, under their belt. It's almost like when we have freshmen come in in January, right? Mid-year, um, just having that extra semester of not a lot of pressure of, you know, playing time or having to perform or making a travel squad. You, you, you rip all of those pressures away and then they could just develop. And so um, our new players, we've had time as a staff to help those players develop, help those players get comfortable, help those players understand, you know, our system and our expectations. So I do think that is actually something to really lean on because we normally don't have that, right? If those freshmen don't come in January, it's like they come in August, it's like, boom, the season hits them in the face in 10 days. So I do think that we are better off with the young players having that time to work together. I wanted to ask you a question about the sport in general. We've talked with your compatriot on the men's side, Scott Calabrese, about this, but I don't think I've actually had the chance to ask you about this. Um, prior to COVID-19, there was a, a move was gaining momentum to make college soccer a year round sport fall and spring. Um, you're playing in the spring this time around one game a week conference only, which has, if that goes through, it would be kind of similar to how you would play if soccer were, were a year round sport. So is this kind of a dry run for that? And I mean, what are your thoughts on that idea of, you know, instead of playing two games a week in that, in that fall sprint, now you're playing one game a week and you're spreading the season out over the fall and spring. What do you think about all that? Well, there's no, no doubt, you know, physically it's a better situation to keep our players healthy. Right. I mean, two games in one week, in the sport of soccer is is very demanding and it's very intensive so to squish you know 20 some games in you know a few months that's that's hard for anybody um so to be able to spread it out i think physically you would see less torn acls and uh, injuries obviously for a staff it's uh i love it because you like i was thinking whoa we're, we're going to have a whole week to do a scout on another team, not just one day in between, you know, if you play Thursday, Sunday, it's like, we're turning around and trying to put together a scouting report for our next opponent where we'll, we'll have some time and have time to train. When we play Thursday and Sunday, normally you don't really have a lot of training days. It's really about recovery. So there's not a lot of development really that goes on in the fall in normal times. So, so there are so many um, aspects about, having that split season or, you know, full year, a school year, you know, having the season throughout the whole school year, there's so many great things about it. Um, the one negative that I'm seeing right now is, is the weather. I think it's, you know, for Florida, Floridians, I mean, if we're only playing Miami the whole time or South Florida, <laughs> UF, you know, that's one thing, but having to go to Temple in February is not, you know, not going to be fun. And there are going to be so many teams you know, up north that I don't know how they would uh, deal with the weather challenges. So that would be a big question for me. 
could be an advantage though. Cause once in the second half of the season, you have three of your last four at home and that only, and the only one that's not is in Tampa. So the weather will be nicer. I think later in the season that could work out in your favor though. No. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. There you go. She's, she's hoping you're right there, Jeffrey. I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I'm so I'm so fascinated by what everything's going on in soccer. We talked about obviously the the flip of the the schedule as far as going from fall to spring and how that's affected the rosters. The tournament's going to be 48 teams this year uh, from 64. You had conferences that played in the fall, and then obviously leagues like ours that is playing this spring. I'm just curious as someone who has grown up in the game, uh, your thoughts on all this. It, 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 how does that 48 teams spring? Is, has this been handled greatly? You, did you wish there were some things that could have been done differently? I mean, I mean, or is that just you can't even worry about that, right? You just you just go with the flow, right? Honestly, if I did focus on that, it'd just be so distracting. So I really have not put a lot of time in it because I am, you know, I teach my players. We, we got to control what we can control, right? So I can't be doing opposite of what I'm trying to teach my players. So that is out of our hand. Yeah, I would have loved for everyone to be in the same boat. And, you know, we had so much each conference had a lot of flexibility, not a lot of mandates from the NCA and, you know, and I don't know, I don't know what the right answer is. We've never been through this. So I'd hate to say, you know, NCA did a poor job because, you know, now the ACC played and we didn't, and there's advantages and disadvantages to that. So we can talk about that forever, but at the end of the day, I don't want to be distracted and I've really just controlled. Okay. Tell me what I'm allowed to do and I'll do my best with that situation. And that's how I've been, managing that and you know where we were allowed one exhibition match you know that's it okay that's great like what are we going to do with that and um you know we realize it's uh, going to be very competitive and very difficult in our conference i I'm, I'm i feel strongly that we have to win our conference to get to get into the tournament you know if i think if we go undefeated and lose in the final, I think there's a chance to get in and at large. Other than that, I think um, it's going to be really hard because we can't look at RPI, right? Right. Um, so I think that committee is going to have a hard time, you know, it trying really to figure is. it out. It's going to be fascinating. Although, I mean, Michelle Akers, we had on in the summer and she talked about back then they had no criteria. There was like, I think, 12 to 16 teams that made it. She didn't, they, there was one of her teams that were didn't make the tournament because of, uh, you know, tiebreakers of goal scoring, which is kind of crazy. We think about that back. So the sport, at least you have, you know, you can control your own fate, right? That's, I'm assuming the message to your team is if you, you control your destiny, you control, if you take care of business, when you're league, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Right. And that's exactly what, the focus is one one game at a time take care of each game now something that we haven't even talked about brought up is there is in the back of my mind that you know we get tested twice a week and i'm hoping that we don't have any disruptions yeah. <laughs> so i'm hoping we get all the games that are on our schedule but as you can see you know what's happening to sports you know all around the country during covid there there's been disruptions you know so if we get through, honestly, for our expectations for the spring, if we get to play every game that's on our schedule, that's listed on our schedule, that is a win within itself. 
<laughs> whether win or loss for the spring, if we stay healthy and get to even play every game, that is going to be a, just success right there. Yeah, we're with you on that because it's been it's been wild following basketball. You know, football got through it pretty doggone well this year. I, you know, they yeah. deserve a lot of credit. I, you know, I've I've been blown away. We both have been blown away by how, you know, committed. Um, you know, the athletes have been, they've been, they've been great at just adapting to these unbelievable circumstances and you guys too, the coaching staff. And it's uh, it's a credit to all of you guys for, you know, your communication and, you know, with them and, and making the situation, making the best of a, of a weird situation. So um, our props to you guys. And, uh, and we know that the season's going to turn out to be, uh, well, we hope that the season's going to turn out to be a really successful one. There's one sort of little bit of leeway in the schedule after uh, or in between the last two matches of the year, you have kind of that week off. So here's hoping that you don't have to use that week off, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, Tiffany Roberts, Hadak, UCF women's soccer. The season starts with an exhibition Sunday, February 7th against the Miami hurricanes um, time to or the time for that match is at 1 PM. So it's definitely worth checking out. If you can get down there, season starts at, temple 12 30 p.m on valentine's day sunday uh february 14th in philadelphia and then the home opener is against cincinnati february 21st at 1 p.m knights have ecu smu houston and cincy at home it's going to be a wild ride tip but we're going to be right along with you the whole way you guys are awesome i always love coming on here and talking shop with you guys <laughs> it's so fun you can just see from my smile and i love talking about all this it gets me excited so thank you for supporting us always well, thank you for your time, and uh, we look forward to seeing more soccer this year. And uh, best of luck. We'll catch you during the year, all right? All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks to Tiffany Roberts. I hate act. She's always so much fun to talk to. Um, we love talking with her. We love talking with Scott Calabrese and the men's team. They're so accessible and and so insightful, too. And, uh, and, and you know, we appreciate them tremendously. And thanks to Colin Yeager for pulling everything together and, uh, and setting everything up for us. We're uh, uh, huge fans of Colin, so we want to thank him for... Uh, his help on this stick around we'll be right back we'll kind of debrief off the women's soccer team look ahead to their schedule and what our expectations are for them in just a moment here on the black and gold banneret podcast don't go away welcome back jeff sharon eric lopez with you talking about the ucf women's soccer team for the spring of 2021 we just got done talking to tiffany roberts sahadak uh their head their head Two preseason all-conference selections for UCF this year, Eric, uh, and it was uh, Ellie Marino and Kristen Scott. Um, interestingly enough, Caroline Delisle did not was not selected, uh, which I thought was a little bit of a surprise for the preseason uh, all-conference team. UCF was picked to finish second by the uh, league's coaches behind Memphis, and boy, have, the, have UCF and Memphis gone at it quite a bit over the last several years. So it's UCF, Memphis, and USF every year. I feel like this team is kind of a sleeper pick in the American, Eric, don't you? If they get the scoring and, and that youth in the back line kind of grows up quickly, then yes. But that's, again, when you don't have the non-conference schedule, you have just an exhibition to get ready before conference, that's a little nerve-wracking. So how will the youngsters respond and Delisle being the vocal leader, but they got to get some more scoring, and, and I think that's the key. I think Moreno's a good name to keep in mind. She was a youngster, scored a big goal in the win against South Florida. Mm -hmm. uh, so I do like her, and I think the, the potential. But it, the, the thing is, this is a sprint. There's no time to develop here. You got to go. Got to get ready right from the get-go. And that's kind of why it's going to make this so wild 
Uh, Sprint, Memphis has been very good. I, I I certainly understand why they're the favorites. USF lost Evelyn Viens. She is now playing in the NWSL with the yeah. uh, Sky. And we're really happy that she's gone to the me, NWSL because yes. she was a, but yeah. she was a great, great player. Just yeah, an the amazing. they've ever had. Yeah, maybe, maybe one of the greatest players in the history of, of you know, all the schools here in the American. I, you know, I mean, it, just a spectacular, spectacular player. And uh, we are... Not sad to see her move on to the NWSL, believe me. <laughs> no, no, not the rest of the league isn't either. So that hurts them a little bit. And uh, so she scored 73 goals. So I think it's wide open, though. I, I'd say those three are the teams to uh, give the benefit of the doubt. I think one of the champion comes from those three. And as the thing is, with, again, the, the field going down from 64 to 48, you can't assume anything on a selection show So by the selection committee. So you, your best bet is win the conference and not worry about it. Otherwise, you're going to be sweating it, especially in a year where you're going to have a committee judging teams based on conference games only. So it's very bizarre, and uh, it's going to be wild. It's just how does this group, especially in the back line, grow how quickly can they grow will determine if this team can win the league or not. Well, they're going to have to figure it out real quick because three of their first four regular season matches are on the road. Their only home game is against Cincinnati on February 21st. Of course, they have that exhibition against the Miami Hurricanes uh, this coming Sunday, February 7th at 1 p.m., but it is an exhibition. Um, but, you know, like we talked about with Tiffany, the the good thing is, you know, when three of your four, first four are on the road, three of your last four are at home. And uh, actually, in the back half of the season, they don't even have to leave the I-4 corridor because their only road game is at South Florida. But that, it's kind of a tough break to get them, to, uh, the, them being the Bulls, on the road this year, along with Memphis, who is picked to finish first in the league. You know, in the middle of the schedule, that's two tough road games, uh, sandwiching a home game against East Carolina there uh, in the middle of March, no? Yeah, I mean, that's the tough draw as you go on the road, on, on you know, in, in certain years and Usually it's an even year, but of course we're in an odd spring year. But what else yeah. is odd? Everything's odd. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the tough draws. You got to go on the road, probably against those top two contenders and get some results and uh, and then take care of everybody else at home. But again, you know, the good news is you kind of get them a little bit later, especially South Florida. So you got time to grow. But yeah, I mean, defensively, back line's got to be strong. Offensively, who are the goal scorers? And, you know, Caroline Delisle, can she take another, you know, she was tremendous, got to be the leader. Uh, can she put herself in that stark conversation? This is a, a program that has tremendous tradition, as I mentioned, in goalkeeping. You think of Alina Reyes, who's in the Hall of Fame playing for the national team in Brazil. You think of players like Jennifer Manis, Alyssa O'Brien, Vera Veras, for example, yep. very recently yep. under Coach Zahedek. Kim Wyatt. Yep. Kim Wyatt, who's played on a national team. Uh, as well. So, I mean, it, the list goes on and on. Uh, Karen Richter. I mean, it's uh, the goalkeeping in UCF women's soccer is probably the most pressure-cooking position um, among among the top three p positions in all of UCF athletics, if you're really being honest about it. Uh, Amy Griffin, for example, another great goalkeeper who played with Michelle Akers. We talked mm -hmm. about when we had Michelle Akers on. So, Delisle is the next one, and fairly or not, goalkeepers at UCF get judged very highly, just like pitchers in softball, UCF softball does, and you could say maybe even like defensive backs even at UCF in football and things like that. So, uh, But Delisle's talented, just a sophomore, could have won goalkeeper of the year last year, certainly a contender this year. Uh, that's, you know, if she's just, she could certainly make some things easy for that young back line and be that vocal leader that Kosa Hadek hopes for. Yeah, I'm looking forward to a really good year from her because it's, it seems like 
you know, how about if you're a sophomore, right? I mean, she was a freshman from before. She heads into her sophomore year, and your sophomore year is actually, you know, granted it's unusual because of COVID in terms of the academics that you have to do and staying home and all that, but that extra half a year, I think, makes such a tremendous difference. And I think the other thing that's going to make a good difference for this team is they're playing one game a week. And, you know, usually when it's like that, what is it? Usually they would do like Friday night, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, or Thursday and Sunday. Or Thursday, Thursday and Sunday. Sundays, Friday. Yep. And that is so hard. I mean, that that is, it's it's brutal. It is absolutely brutal. It, like Tiffany was talking about now, you can kind of, you have some time to recover. I think that's, I really do think that some good things are going to come about, uh, are, are going to come about from this experiment, if you will, from uh, uh, from both men's and women's soccer playing in the spring. And, uh, you know, for the sake of the safety and the health of the players, I hope they do make this a, a regular occurrence where we have, you know, uh, half a season of non-conference in the fall and half, and half a season of conference play um, in the spring. I think that would be better for overall plus it's more soccer for us to watch right <laughs> well let's just worry about getting through this spring first and we'll worry about that down the road <laughs> all right all right fine you party pooper all right well we'll be uh, keeping an eye on ucf women's and men's soccer all throughout the year uh again the women's team opened their uh, season hit the they hit the pitch for the first time uh on february 7th that's this coming sunday at 1 p.m playing miami in an exhibition uh, and then it counts for the first time on Valentine's Day. That's a Sunday, but they're in Philadelphia to play Temple. Their first home game is uh, Sunday, February 21st against Cincinnati. There will be plenty of coverage on uh, ESPN Plus where you can watch uh, the nights live. And, of course, you can follow us here at Black and Gold Banneret uh, for all the latest on uh, UCF soccer um, as they look to get back to the NCAA tournament uh, once again under uh, Tiffany Roberts Sahadak. And uh, who knows, maybe in this abbreviated season, um, come through with an American championship. The American uh, Soccer Championship takes place April's, April 15th and 17th at a site to be determined. And that's still at the home of the number one seed, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Eric? It's as far as we know, that yeah. is correct. Right, so it's not, it's not like it is in volleyball where it's the previous year's number one seed. It's the home of the one seed that they get to host these this uh, shortened tournament. Usually it was three rounds, top two teams get a bye. Now it's just semifinals and finals. Four teams, three days. And then we get out of there. So it's going to be a Naruto run to the finish uh, for soccer, in particular UCF women's soccer, as they only play as they play every opponent that they have in this in the schedule or uh, in the American just once. So again, it'll just like the men, it'll be a wild ride going forth. All right, make sure you follow us here at BlackAndGoldBanneret.com. Uh, you can follow us uh, for all the latest UCF sports news, part of SB Nation, of course. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret and Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. Follow us individually at Jeff underscore Sharon and Eric Lopez Elo. And please, if you don't already, subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform, be it Android or iPhone that you may wish, wherever you download um, your podcast. If you do already subscribe to us, awesome. We thank you so much. Please leave us a comment uh, and a rating so that more UCF fans uh, can get more of our content uh, that you enjoy so much. And we appreciate your um, spending time with us and listening to these podcasts that uh, so that you can get the full rundown of every UCF sport um, that we have to cover for you. So for Eric Lopez, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thank you so much for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Spring 2021 UCF Women's Soccer Preview Show. Best of luck to the ladies, and we will see you next week.